0: This episode of the Esoteric Order of Roleplayers is brought to you by the generosity of our backers on Patreon. Go to patreon.com/esotericrp to find out how you can become a backer too. We create and broadcast these episodes live on Native Lands. We acknowledge these are unceded lands with diverse communities maintaining connections to these places and recognize their ancestors, their elders both past and present, and future generations. Learn more by visiting the Native American Rights Fund website at narf.org. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of me, David Larkins, and I'm going where I've never gone before. That's right, I am playing Captain's Log, the solo role-playing game for Star Trek Adventures. And when I say I'm going where I've never gone before, I mean that in several ways. Obviously, this is a first for the Esoteric Order of Roleplayers podcast, in that uh, we have never done a solo role-playing game experience on either our public feed or even on our Patreon bonus feed, Uh, although over there I have done some readings from the Lone Wolf game books with Kenny. But no, this is a true solo role-playing game, meaning it's just me, myself, and I. And I'll be using the Captain's Log system, which is uh, really just a series of different tables intended to spark creativity and answer questions and throw in fun random elements as I uh, craft a narrative spontaneously as I go. And I'm going to talk a little bit about process and where I'm at with that uh, shortly. But I also mean that I'm going where I've never gone before in the sense of this being part of my journey into Star Trek itself. Into the the franchise, the property, the fandom. Uh, despite the fact that I write role-playing games for a living, uh, you would think that that would pretty much guarantee that I'm a huge Trekkie. I am not. Star Trek is one of those one of those ones um, that just kind of passed me by. There's there's actually a surprisingly large number of those for me, to be honest. That I see a lot of my my fellow gaming geeks uh, cherish and adore. That I just sort of you know either have tried to get into, bounced off of, or uh, just never really never really clicked for me for whatever reason. We're talking about Doctor Who. We're talking about um, Terry Pratchett. We're talking about Douglas Adams. Game of Thrones. There's a lot. There's a lot out there that... that um, Highlander, for God's sake. Um, I came late to Highlander. I did eventually discover the joys of at least the first movie. And uh, Star Trek is very much in that category, although happily I can report that after you know, decades of kind of missing out, um, over the past few years, really maybe the past ten years almost... I've slowly been educating myself uh, in the ways of, of Trek. And as is typical for me, I came in sort of sideways and driving but in reverse. Um, oftentimes I've familiarized myself with various um, creative properties, beloved book series, what have you. Uh, through weirdly, you know, backwards means. Um, You know, comic books, superhero comics, that's another one that passed me by, but then as the MCU movies started rolling out, that was where I kind of started to learn more about the Marvel Universe, for example. DC, uh, I've talked about on our uh, DC Heroes Batman series uh, released um, last year so you can check that out too if you're curious but I uh, Des and I talk quite a bit about um, how we have a love of the DC heroes universe going back to our childhoods but we're never huge comic book nerds in that sense you know um, so again like with the DC heroes RPG that was kind of a crash course for me in a lot of you know uh, basic fundamentals of the DC universe and so it is likewise with Star Trek. Did I sit down and start watching episodes of the TV series or watch some of the movies? No, not really. Um, I had some basic familiarity from my childhood. My dad actually, uh, I think, was a big fan of Star Trek back in, during its original run in the 60s. He liked a lot of like what we would call genre TV nowadays, even though he's not by any means like a geek or anything, but... He was into, like, The Prisoner and uh, The Avengers, you know, the, the spy series, not the comics, uh, and and Star Trek and a lot of that other uh, sort of milieu. And so when I was a kid in the 80s, he would oftentimes put on a, a syndicated rerun of the original series on a, on a Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning or whatever when I was otherwise bored out of my mind. And he would sit and watch it, and I just have this memory of just being this like four or five year old kid and just looking up at the tv and just being like this isn't for me like this is just a bunch of grown-ups talking to each other and they're old grown-ups they're from like the 60s you know um but uh, i did see star trek IV in the theaters my dad wanted to see that so i think we we saw it as a family and uh, like many non-trekkies i enjoyed it tremendously and then uh, Next Generation came along and I remember the excitement surrounding that uh, premiere night in my household and uh, once again we sat down as a family to watch the premiere of Next Generation and suffice to say that was the end of my dad's Star Trek fandom. Uh, my understanding of course is that TNG took a two or three seasons to really find its footing and uh, obviously he took one look at the premiere episode and went, no, no, not for me. Um, I do remember Tasha Yar dying, though, so I think we must have continued to watch it through season one, but we definitely didn't watch it beyond that, and none of it really stuck with me, other than just the sort of pop culture zeitgeist stuff. But, uh, you know, many years passed, and over that time I met many wonderful new friends who were huge Trekkies, or at least liked Star Trek and um, had more experience with it than I did. And these were people who, you know, they're my friends, so obviously I respect them not just as people, but I, you know, uh, we have similar tastes, Um, you know, I respect their taste in entertainment. Um, And so I knew there was something there. And i had had sufficient exposure to Star Trek as a kid that I knew I could probably get into it, as opposed to, say, Terry Pratchett, who I just, my brain does not engage with. I can see that he's an excellent writer. I can see that the stories are good. I've read two or three Discworld novels, and it's just, I don't know, for some reason it just doesn't stick. It's not for me. Um, But Star Trek, Star Trek is sticking, I have to say. So here we are. We're going to play Captain's Log. Um. So, I'm saying all of this because I wanted to lay down some, some background, some sort of baseline information, because I'm sure a lot of my listeners are also Trekkies, or familiar with Star Trek to a degree greater than me. Uh, if this series is anything like our Batman series, it will probably attract listeners who have never listened to any of our other series before, don't really know who I am. Uh, so I just wanted to say a few words before we really got into things, because... Uh, as I was saying, my deep dive into Star Trek that began around 8 or 10 years ago actually started with podcasts, uh, specifically Rachel Watches Star Trek, which is um, a project by uh, Chris Lackey from the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast, which is obviously much more my my jam, and, uh, and his wife, Rachel. And it's one of these ones where, you know, you have the one co-host who's kind of the expert on the subject. And then you have the other co-host who's brand new. And one of them is going to be the audience surrogate. So in this case, Rachel was my audience surrogate. Uh, And, you know, the gimmick is they just watch every episode of Star Trek and every Star Trek movie in chronological order of release. So, you know, they start with, uh, I think they start with the cage. I think they start with the pilot episode. Uh, So slightly non-chronological, but whatever. I'm also finding the legendary pedantry of Star Trek fandom definitely ap- applies to me. As little as I know, I still find myself being pedantic at times. So apologies in advance for that. So, listened to Rachel watch Star Trek through the original series and a little bit into the animated series, and then you know, kind of moved on as as one one often does. But then uh, a friend of mine, Joe, hey what's up joe if you're listening and his buddies who did a podcast about the band devo which is also very much in my in my camp decided to do a original an original series star trek podcast as well abcd tos shout out to them And instead of going chronologically, they went alphabetically by episode title. And in that case, when I listened to Rachel Watch a Star Trek, I didn't actually watch any of the episodes. I just listened to them talk about the episodes because they would provide a plot summary and so forth. And uh, and so with ABCD TOS, what I did is since they would rate the episodes, uh, any episode that kind of rated high, like a B plus or higher average rating, I would check out. So I just figured I was getting the cream of the crop because let's be honest the original series it's 60s television it's highly uneven it's not uh there's no attempt made to create like plot arcs uh, multi-episode or multi-season arcs you know every episode kind of has to be self-contained that was you know thems were the rules at the time so uh you can kind of dip in and out and you can watch quote unquote the good ones and since it was four guys one of whom i count as a friend so you know like I respected their opinions, uh, I figured they wouldn't steer me wrong, and I was right. The episodes I watched, and Des watched as well, um, were great, you know. And Des has uh, her own kind of Star Trek background, in the uh, and, uh, which is kind of similar to mine, in that she's familiar with the property, but she's not, you know, she hasn't watched a lot of Trek, at least prior to the last couple of years. Um, but her dad actually, uh, worked for, uh, I don't know, over 40 years, uh, for Paramount as a, um, as, you know, member of the crew, right? He was like a, a grip and an electrician and a best boy and all those, you know, all those behind the scenes crew positions that are so crucial for, um, making movies, obviously. And, uh, you know, so because he worked for Paramount, Paramount, Star Trek Um, he actually ended up working on I believe all of the original series cast movies except for the motion picture I think he started with Wrath of Khan and uh, you know he knew all the cast and had his opinions about Shatner and all that good stuff and we've told the story on the podcast before about you know uh, how he was the guy in charge of holding the key light right up to uh, the faces of, of Kirk and Spock during Spock's uh, tragic farewell at the end of Wrath of Khan as he's saved the Enterprise. And there's Frank off right off to the side of the, the camera holding that key light, you know. So, uh, you know, I want to talk about six degrees of separation, more like six inches of separation in that sense. Um, and uh, does his cousin Marina is a huge Trekkie. So, like, we have Trekkies throughout our lives, friends. Family, you know, and um, and so we finally got into watching TOS through uh Joe's podcast, and that led us to just decide to watch um all of the original cast movies, starting with the original, which we were not prepared for. Um, that was an experience, but uh, you know, of course, Wrath of Khan, classic, Star Trek 4, classic, you know, the other ones, they're okay they range from okay to very good right um so we did that and so then des casually mentions to another huge trekkie friend anna that hello anna that we um we'd been doing that and she and her partner scott are like massive trekkies and so that then kind of led to hey why don't we watch some tng so in, in a manner very similar to abcd tos uh, Anna and Scott put together curated list of next gen episodes for us to watch, which we are currently watching. At the time of this recording, we uh, just watched the Inner Light, which I actually knew about by reputation. Uh, again, you know, there's a certain amount of <clears throat> sort of geek culture osmosis that I've absorbed when it comes to Star Trek. But yeah, so we're 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 really enjoying it. Um, you know, I can see I can see the difference between original series and TNG very clearly and you know again it's like I think I love both for different reasons but probably equally you know too early to say we're not done with our next gen watch through just yet and I think I might even go back and cherry pick a few other episodes or maybe one day just actually watch the whole thing starting from episode one but we also want to move on to Strange New Worlds we want to check out Lower Decks we've heard a lot of good things about that one and um Yeah, maybe even some other of the series, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, you know, the others, and the rest. Um, We'll also probably check out the next-gen movies. Actually, strike that probably. We'll definitely check out the next-gen movies. So, if you're listening and you want to head on over to our Discord or leave a comment where this episode is posted, uh, you know, I'm all ears uh, if you want to, like, recommend um, any particular favorite uh, series or episodes or whatever you know I am on a journey like I said I'm this is a learning experience for me and I'm finding it out as I go along so as you may have guessed this is a warning up front that my Star Trek will vary I'm going to miss things I'm going to miss connections, I'm going to miss what might feel like obvious elements to pull into my stories as I generate them, and that's fine. However, I'm also open to feedback and suggestions. So again, hop on Discord, there will be a channel that I'm going to create specifically to talk about this Captain's Log series, and um, you know, if there's like some element that I'm missing out on that I could work into future episodes, please let me know. Uh, one thing I want to do with this series is make it a little bit more immediate than what we've been doing for the past few years on the podcast, which is generally recording most, if not all of the episodes in advance before I start releasing them, just because we had, uh, a few, um, experiences. We'll just say back in 2019, 2020 with, campaigns that would get underway and then be um, derailed by real life because things have been like things have been. So I switched from releasing episodes as soon as I recorded them to recording in advance. With Captain's Log, I'm going to go back to maybe not releasing same day, but certainly the same week. And so the chances are, especially if you're listening to an episode within the first week of it dropping... I'll not have recorded any subsequent episodes yet. And you can hop on our Discord and, you know, throw some suggestions out. And in fact, as you'll see at the end of this episode, um, I have an idea in terms of generating uh, what they call missions um, and just kind of soliciting uh, listener advice. And again, if this is if, you know, you're listening to the episodes as they're coming out. So, that all being said, let us talk a little bit about what i intend to do with this captain's log solo rpg experience okay so uh star trek adventures is the current uh, licensed star trek rpg there have been several other versions uh going all the way back to the late 70s uh, but this is the current one it's been out for oh about a decade now i think it's published by modiphius and um and Captain's log is a recent uh, publication. I believe it was uh, maybe last year or uh, 2022 possibly. Um, oh yeah, no, 2023. Okay, so it's fresh off the fresh off the press. Um, and it's part of just a, a general um, trend right now in tabletop RPGs of producing these solo RPGs, which can range anywhere from, something where you're kind of intended to just play it once and then you have like a physical artifact after the fact of like a diary or a journal um, all the way up to just like simple PDF downloads that uh, give you some guidelines on how to play a game you know, by yourself as you, you know, journal it or record the sessions or create fiction based off of the results or you live stream it or whatever. Um, Captain's Log's kind of seems to be like in this sort of weird um <laughs> you know middle ground because what it is is it's essentially its own rule book it's uh over 300 it's about 320 pages or thereabouts and uh, so it has everything you need to play you don't need to own Star Trek Adventures to play it and uh and in fact what it is is it's a, a sort of streamlined version of Star Trek Adventures so if you've played Star Trek Adventures before, the system will be familiar to you, but it's also, like, really trimmed down. It's like kind of a basic version of the system. I own Star Trek Adventures. I have the book on my shelf. I have not played it personally. At this point, I've just listened to some live plays, or some uh, actual plays. So, that being said, the book talks about how you can use the rules to play a solo game like I'm doing. You can also use the rules to play what they uh call, I believe, cooperative uh play, and that's basically uh like, you know, you have a, a group of friends around the table or online or whatever, like you would with a typical RPG, but you don't have a GM. You don't have anyone to run the game for you. You use the engine in this book to kind of generate all the stuff that a GM would normally throw at you, but you're all playing characters which, you know, sounds fun. And then there's even guided play, which is essentially a traditional RPG format. You have somebody who's essentially running the game, but they're the ones who are kind of making the dice rolls and interpreting things, and then, you know, reporting that those interpretations to the players, and then you get that, you know, Socratic dialogue going back and forth. So, uh, obviously I'm doing the solo play, and we're just going to see where that goes. Within the concept of solo play... You then have different ways of doing it. Uh, they they even talk about how you could just have the book close at hand and a couple dice and kind of just play out a scene or an act, uh, you know, while you're, I don't know, uh, waiting on your next meeting or appointment or <laughs> like, uh, you know, waiting for your food to arrive or whatever. You know, um, you don't you don't even need to like journal or, or do any of that kind of stuff if you don't want to. Uh, It can just be a story you're making up in your head as you go along, you know. But uh, the intention really is that you're going to be jotting things down. You're going to be creating this sort of recorded story as you go. And, you know, that could be something like what I'm doing, where I'm recording the results as I go along and taking notes at the same time. It could be something where I have a, a notebook or I have my You know, laptop open in front of me, and I'm jotting things down as I go. And then I come back later and I synthesize all that and I create a a narrative. Like, essentially, I write some fanfic based off of my results of my roles and notes and everything. Um, So, like I say, this is new. This is a new format for me. And it does feel a little odd to just be talking nonstop into a microphone, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm a little, you know, self-conscious about going on too long. I'm aware of the time even now. And you know, so I don't I don't want to I don't want to bore you, dear listener. And so I'm thinking about the best way to approach this in terms of uh format. So I've watched some actual plays on YouTube of people playing Captain's Log, and everyone does seem to have kind of a different approach. Some folks will like, you know, be rolling the dice and generating results and then they'll pause periodically and they'll sort of describe the scene as if they're either uh storyboarding it like they might even one one guy would tend to describe things like in in like cinematic context he's you know like our opening establishing shot we can see in the foreground the captain is standing on a balcony looking down at a huge crowd you know um like as if they're dictating a screenplay or something right uh, which, I mean, makes sense. I mean, Star Trek, you know, as much as there's been novels and comics and fanfic and all these other things, it's primarily a visual medium. It's primarily associated with TV and movies. So I might copy that style. I, you know, we'll see. Other folks, they primarily are just recording their process. And then, uh, like like one one person, in fact, the lead developer of Captain's Log, has an actual play. And he basically just... His live streams are basically him just like rolling the dice, jotting down results, and then he goes off and he writes it up as fanfic, and then there's like a link so that you can go read his narrative. You know, I don't want to do that. Um, I want this to be fairly self contained. That being said, uh, another approach I'm contemplating is maybe just kind of doing the rolls, talking about the rolls as I go along, jotting down notes. You know, it's not just going to be the sound of dice rolling and me muttering to myself and a pencil. Uh, you know, scr- scratching across uh, paper, you know, um, I will be talking through my process and thinking out loud and so forth. But then rather than interspersing that with narrative descriptions, I'm thinking I might try like at the end of that process to go back and look at my notes and just sort of like extemporaneously tell a story based on my notes so you'll probably hear me um, trying out different formats as i go along i imagine i'll probably just settle into a natural um, approach that feels good to me Uh, but again i'm open for feedback if there's an approach that you would prefer to hear or that if i'm experimenting with different styles and and you like a particular style or you know oh episode three was great i really liked how you did blah blah uh, please let me know i mean again this the whole point of the series is to kind of create a little feedback loop, a little dialogue between uh, me and you, the listener. So without further ado, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into creating a character. Because what I intend to do in this first um, Session Zero, if you will, is talk a little bit about myself. Did that. We're going to make our character. Uh, then we're going to make the starship and I'm gonna talk a little bit at that point about uh, when I'm setting this story. And uh, and then I'm gonna generate the first mission by rolling some dice, and we're just gonna leave it off there for uh, feedback and suggestions. All right, we'll be back in a moment. And we're back. All right, so, First things first, before I even get into this. True confessions. Uh, This is actually the second character that I am making for Captain's Log. I actually recorded an entire Session Zero episode already, and I have scrapped it. And I scrapped it because I didn't like the character that I made for the purposes of this podcast, just to be clear. I actually really like the character I made, and I think if I were to play in a cooperative Captain's Log game or even a Star Trek Adventures group game, I would take that character concept and probably use that as my character. But it was a, it was a good learning experience, right? Uh, so there'll be a lot less of me muttering to myself and flipping pages, scratching my head and going, what the hell? I will say one thing, and this is, a, this is just a nickel's worth of free advice to anyone who wants to play through Captain's Log. When you are making your character, there are a lot of tables you can roll on and, uh, or matrixes as they call them in this book. When you get to step four, education, unless you are feeling really experimental, do not roll on the education matrix table, matrix, I'll stop saying table. Do not roll on the education matrix because there is only a 25% chance that you will actually attend Starfleet Academy and therefore be an officer in Starfleet, which is the whole point, if you ask me, of playing Captain's Log. <laughs> now, you don't have to play a captain. In fact, I'm not going to play a captain. I'm aiming for First Officer. That's where I want to be. Riker is one of my favorite characters, so that's part of it. But also, I just think a of First Officer for someone of my... Less than perfect Star Trek knowledge uh, is a good a good place to be. You know, there's a captain who who's more experienced and knows more about the galaxy. But uh, here I am, the first officer, or maybe some other senior officer on the crew. We'll, we'll we'll see how that pans out. I'm I'm open to some variety there. But one thing I wasn't gonna do was have my first Captain's Log <laughs> experience be centered on a uh, Maquis freedom fighter going up against the Cardassians. Uh, that's just... ah No, it's too out there. It's I didn't even know who the Maquis were when I made this character. I only found that out doing some research afterwards and thinking long and hard about whether I wanted to go forward with this character. So I'm sort of delighted that this book can... You know lead you in that direction if you let it but again if you're if you want to just have that classic captain's log experience just go with starfleet academy for your education don't roll on the matrix all right so that being said let's get into it so there are two ways to make a character in captain's log there's the life path and there's creation in and play and creation in and play is tempting and that's basically like you just kind of establish a few baseline values uh about this character. I shouldn't say values because that's an actual game term. Uh some baseline facts about your character just enough to get going, enough to be going on with. And then the rest you kind of generate in play. So like maybe we don't you don't know certain facets of this character until they're tested, right? And that's really actually how we get to know characters on TV series primarily, you know, um certain strengths, weaknesses, abilities, uh, talents, susceptibilities, you know, these things come out, background information, where the person's from, etc. You know, no no TV series is going to dump all that on your lap in episode one. But this isn't a TV series, it's a role-playing game, so I am going to dump all that on your lap in episode one. Uh, Because, yeah, I just kind of want to go through the life path system here and um, see where it leads us. So, uh, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, generate this character's traits, attributes, disciplines, focuses, and values. Uh, so traits is up first. And so traits, as they say here in the book, allow me to quote. <clears throat> so the book doesn't actually describe what a trait is. You have to sort of infer it. But um, <clears throat> I would just say that uh, the way it sort of defines traits is to call them uh permanent or at least enduring elements of the character's nature. Uh, And so, every character has at least one trait, which is their species. So, um, I'm playing a human. Um, And again, this is, you know, due to my relative lack of experience. Um, I feel like playing any any kind of alien, even if they're very close to human, uh, you know, At that point, I'd be sort of trying to embody the experience of being that alien species in addition to everything else. So we're just going to go with human. Um, And that's probably just, you know, as a heads up, that's probably how most of the non-player characters are going to uh, come out in the wash, so to speak as well. Uh, it'll be much more like an older live-action TV series where, for, you know, budget reasons, most <laughs> most characters are either human or, um, you know, require very little makeup, right? But it does say your character may begin play with traits in addition to their species. Uh, they should have a clear place in representing the nature and experiences of the character, reflecting definitive facets of the character's existence that are unlikely or even impossible to change. So, i was thinking a lot about the type of character i wanted to make or types of characters and one one possibility that i think i want to use with this character is you know i was thinking about you know even though i'm playing a human i mean one thing that i think everyone knows when it comes to star trek is diversity you know infinite diversity and infinite combinations right um but, you know, even the original series was groundbreaking in terms of uh, uh, casting and, and having people of, of multiple ethnicities uh, sharing uh, responsibilities on, on board this ship and everyone being, like, depicted as, you know, uh, smart and capable and, and all the rest. So definitely wanted to, if I'm, if I'm playing a bog-standard human, I definitely was looking for some opportunities to, like, bring in some diversity. Anyways, and a lot of my Trekkie friends are LGBT, and I tend to like to play characters who are kind of outside of my lived experience, so I oftentimes will play uh, female-presenting characters, just like Des will oftentimes play male-presenting characters, you know, for the same reason. And um, and so I was thinking about all those things, and I thought, what's what's going on with um, trans characters in Star Trek? You know, what, like, what, what kind of trans characters have we seen? And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but based on my uh, fairly basic research, I, I didn't really find uh, any uh, to speak of. I think Star Trek Discovery has a, a couple characters who are at least, you know, uh, gender fluid or non-binary, but... Um, yeah, as far as like trans characters, I don't, I don't really, I don't think there's been a whole lot um, in the lore about that. To the extent that um, I couldn't even find anything about, you know, what happens with gender confirmation surgery in the Star Trek universe or any of that kind of stuff. I'm sure there've been plenty of trans characters in fanfic. I mean, <laughs> I'm not pretending I'm the first by any means. So I'm going to put that down as a trait: trans. Um, and it, uh, female presenting, right? So she, her pronouns. Okay. So we're going to move on to attributes here. So there are six attributes. And um, the way that this works, this is, this goes for Star Trek Adventures as well as Captain's Log, is we have attributes and we have disciplines. There's uh, six of each. And the way the system works is um, to do any kind of task, you just combine the value of one attribute with the value of one um, uh, discipline and you roll two 20-sided dice and uh, and you're looking for at least one of those dice to be equal to or less than that combined value so if I have a you know control of 10 and a, a command of of three you know and I and I'm trying to like I don't know quell a riot or something uh, 10 plus 3 is 13 so I would want a 13 or less on at least one of those 2d20 and it's called the 2d20 system for that reason. Um the interesting thing is that uh these are intentionally very open-ended. So like for example with control, uh it says control defines characters who are precise, orderly, disciplined, highly coordinated or who possess well-developed fine motor skills. And then it goes on to give examples of how you would use control in a variety of different situations, everything from when faced with violence to when faced with a social problem or an intellectual or emotional problem or a physical problem you know you can apply control to a physical problem just as well as you could apply say a more obvious one like fitness or you know likewise you could apply um, presence or insight to a physical problem Uh, and so the the book does a good job of giving examples of that uh, which i won't get into but just very briefly uh, daring defines characters who are decisive and fearless fitness defines characters by their physical prowess athleticism and endurance insight defines characters by their instincts and their perceptiveness and then um presence defines characters by their strength of personality and by their ability to draw attention and command respect <clears throat> oh so i guess maybe presence plus um plus command might have been better for quelling a riot and then reason defines characters by their adherence to logic, and it demonstrates a strong tendency toward meticulous analysis, detailed planning, gathering of evidence, and the forming and testing of theories. Um, eight, a value of eight in any of those is average, consider average. So um, we are going to um, figure out those attributes. And then just jumping ahead a little bit, We've got the disciplines, which are command, con, engineering, security, science, and medicine. And just like with the attributes, these are intended to be broadly applicable. So uh, command is leadership, negotiation, coordinating and motivating others, and also personal discipline and resisting coercion. Con is about spacecraft and the practicalities of living and working in space. Engineering is about technology. Security is about safety, protection, survival, but most importantly about violence science is at its heart about the pursuit and application of knowledge and medicine uh is important enough to stand on its own as a distinct discipline and field of study and um much as there is some overlap between science and engineering um then we have focuses these are um again sort of broadly applicable uh specialties that the character is known for they are not tied to any particular uh discipline although they might towards one more than others, but again, you're supposed to theoretically be able to broadly apply your your focus, but it might be things like um, decisive leadership, or physics, or um, efficient evasion, (laughs) you know, or uh, internal medicine. And then values are one of my favorite uh, mechanics, they're basically these uh, phrases, I guess, that Define something that's important to the character and the best values can be applied both positively and negatively Um, So they give you 20 examples on a matrix, which I intend to largely stick to Um, Although I've I've got a couple pre-selected just because I like them But uh, the idea is that you can tap a character's value in an appropriate situation Um uh, to kind of give you a mechanical leg up. But once you do, you actually have to erase that value. You've spent it. And then you have to generate a new value right then and there, perhaps based on like what's going on in that moment or maybe just some other facet of the character's personality that's going to you know, come to the fore at some point in the future. And I just think that's so cool. Um, what a great way to have a character experience growth. You know over the course of a of a campaign i just think that's so cool what a great mechanic so okay life path creation so step one is species so we've i've already talked about the human part um now they've got what is this uh well they've got a lot of species in here and they've got them broken down even by eras so species is going to affect your starting attributes so we start out at seven in each of our attributes okay and then your species is where you start buying those attributes up now every species except for human has a rote um, set of bonuses that's going to give you a plus one to three different attributes so like an andorian for example gets a plus one control Plus one daring plus one presence. Right? Whereas a um a Kazinti gets a plus one daring plus one fitness plus one control. Humans are the only species where I can take three plus ones and apply them wherever I want. So, we're gonna start with daring. Because that's just a that's a fun one. I want to have a daring and um, you know, sort of act first, consequences later kind of character Um, that's just the type of character I like to play in general and uh, again, first officer kind of channeling Riker a little bit, you know Um, so that being said, I think we're going to do presence plus one as well and for the last one, I think fitness let's go fitness okay all right so that's easy step one complete Um, i should also mention there's rules for um, characters who are uh, mixed heritage um and again we're just we're going to try and keep it as as straightforward and simple as possible for the purposes of backstory you know Um, so speaking of which step two is environment so Regardless of their species, Starfleet officers come from many environments across many worlds. While many humans are born on Earth, many more were born on a colonized world elsewhere in the galaxy, on a starbase or starship. Alright, so... In choosing your character's environment, you'll start from either its setting, such as a homeworld or colony, or its conditions, such as a utopian paradise or world at war. Each offers different storytelling prompts. Both provide the same type of benefits to your character sheet. Alright, so with my my first character the character i'm not using for this series i went with conditions so i think just to kind of vary things up we'll go with settings this time and i roll a 10 isolated colony interesting all right so Your character comes from a colony isolated from broader galactic society. Worlds like the Vulcan Monastery on Pagem use the vast distances between star systems as an opportunity for contemplative isolation, while others are settled because they present unique research opportunities. The cultures of these colonies tend to focus on learning and introspection. Interesting. So if I'm going for a character who's much more in the camp of, like, decisive action then. I could definitely see this character uh, chafing at their um, home environment right as they were growing up your character gains a value which reflects the environment and culture the character was raised within this is a good opportunity to consider how the character grew up isolated from the rest of the wider galaxy and therefore how they view alien species or even their own i then choose either reason or insight increase that attribute by one and choose one of engineering science or medicine and increase that discipline by one Okay, and if I remember correctly, the disciplines all start at one here. Let me just go back and double check on that. Yes, disciplines all start at one. Okay, character gains a value which reflects their environment. All right, so in this case, though, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with a va- with one of my pre-selected values, which is seeking to find myself far from home. I think that fits perfectly um, but it also it also does reflect uh, growing up on an isolated colony right because um, you know that's you know in fact that might have been what what drew my my parents to that location to begin with is that they were also seeking themselves far from home so I don't know yet about what kind of isolated colony this was was it a research Station Was it some kind of, um, you know, um, commune kind of situation where, like, the settlers were just trying to get away from the rest of, you know, uh, society and just have their own little utopian paradise? Um, I don't know yet. Um, But I think I'm going to go with insight as my plus one. So I'll make that an eight. And then for my discipline... Let's go with engineering. Just because I think if you're on an isolated colony, you need to learn how to, you know, fix things that are breaking down. The next supply ship might not be coming in for another six months or something. You know, we got to get this uh, moisture evaporator up and running. Oh, no, wait, that's Tatooine. Never mind. I'm kidding. All right, so that is environment. All right. Step three, early outlook. Okay. Driving them into their education and career, your character formed an early outlook that shaped them in many ways. You may choose from three approaches on how to determine the impact of this outlook. All right. So the first is, uh, well, the second is uh, if you're playing a Klingon, so we'll just ignore that one. The first one is upbringing, and that is uh, the nature of a person's family and their surroundings. As they grew up Um, the third one is an aspiration what did you want to do originally ooh this is tough because I went with aspiration last time and it was actually pretty cool um, the way it worked out but again in the spirit of kind of trying something new I think I'll go with upbringing Um, especially since I think that'll help me get a better idea of what was going on in this isolated Colony. We'll roll randomly for that, and uh, and just see see what comes up there. And then once I've determined that, I then have to choose whether my character accepted or rebelled against this upbringing. Okay, an eight. Agriculture or rural? Well, that that certainly fits. Um, okay, rural. All right, so let's see what that means. Your character grew up surrounded more by nature than by people within a rural community on the frontier or somewhere else distanced from the bustle of cities and larger populations. Well, okay, sure, makes sense. Um, They might be heavily involved in agriculture, growing real food to supplement synthesized or replicated meals. Okay, so I have to decide whether I accepted or rebelled against this upbringing. I think I've already... Um, indicated I'm leaning towards rebelled, so let's just go with that. And it says, if your character rebelled against this upbringing, they are likely to have embraced science, technology, and the fruits of civilization, increasing their presence by one and their reason by two. Okay, so that would make my presence and reason both a nine. Not bad. The maximum, by the way, is twelve, and I can only have one twelve to start with, so I'll have to keep an eye on these numbers. Okay, your character's living off the land, growing up on the edge of civilization, allows them to increase one of con, security, or medicine. Uh, oh boy, let's. Um, it's between con and security for me. So I'll leave it up to a dice roll. One to ten is con. Eleven to twenty is security. Ten, so con plus one. It is okay. All right and now we generate a focus your character gains a single focus that should relate to the character's rural lifestyle skills they learned there. examples animal handling athletics emergency medicine endurance ground vehicles infectious diseases navigation survival training and toxicology hmm so i could choose from any of those or i can go back to the focus chapter here and choose one of the tables that they have um You know, for example, I just went with con as my bonus, so maybe I'll roll on the con focuses table. So remember, focuses aren't, you know, like this focus can be applied to any of my disciplines, but these are focuses that are um, evocative of the con discipline, I guess you could say. Con! I'm sure I'm the 8 millionth person to make that joke. All right. Um, 34 okay 34 stellar cartography cool 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 obviously i was watching the stars stellar cartography okay cool all right so hmm getting a little bit of an idea of this this home home planet home world Okay, and I'll probably flesh that out a little bit later. And again, if anyone has any suggestions for an isolated colony where there are people farming the land or otherwise living in a rural kind of environment, um, let me know. All right, education, the infamous education step. This is where it all went wrong the last time. So we're choosing Starfleet Academy for God's sake. So I get into Starfleet Academy and get off this isolated little rock. No doubt it was quite a uh, shock to the system to go from more or less just riding my my space BMX around the backcountry of this, uh, you know, large moon or whatever it was, you know, (laughs) Um, to then go to Starfleet Academy. My goodness. All right. Alright, the years spent at Starfleet Academy are some of the most memorable and definitive of an officer's life, shaping the direction of their career going forward. For those who pass the grueling entrance examinations, the Academy takes four years, covering a mixture of intense training, academic studies, and practical experiences. Much of this takes place within the main Starfleet Academy campus in San Francisco on Earth, but other campuses and annexes exist across the Federation, and a cadet may spend time at any of these before they graduate. A graduate of the the Academy receives a commission as a Starfleet officer with the rank of Ensign, after which they may wait several weeks or even months for their first assignment. Some cadets, particularly those pursuing a doctorate, choose a path that requires an additional year or two of training and study, and instead graduate at the rank of Lieutenant Junior Grade. You may choose your character's Academy track or randomly determine it from the table below. Okay. Well, they do call it table sometimes. Good to know. All right, we've got Command Track, Operations Track, and Sciences Track... Operations track is practical and hands-on, dealing with many of the realities of Starfleet's mission. Divided broadly into engineering and security divisions, operations track cadets are defined by a sense of pragmatism, whether that applies to the technical or the tactical. Okay, whereas command is for those cadets who aspire to command their own starship someday. It focuses on leadership and interpersonal skills, diplomacy, decision-making in crisis situations, an understanding of protocol and procedure, and starship operations, which includes flight control... Uh, many command track cadets begin their careers as flight control officers and pilots, where their training can be put to the test on a smaller scale while they gain the experience necessary for more authority and responsibility. Command track cadets customarily undertake the infamous Kobayashi Maru test during their final year. Well, <clears throat> normally I'd go command, but that plus one to engineering and, and all that... Um But I also had a plus one to con, which, if we recall, is your spaceflight discipline. So my two current highest disciplines are tied. Um, So let's let's leave it up to the random probability matrix again, aka 1 to 10, it's command, 11 to 20, it's operations. 15, it's operations. Okay. Add a value reflecting the beliefs developed during their time at the academy. Okay, so for this one, I don't really have... My other preselected value doesn't really apply, I don't think. So I'm going to go to the values matrix and roll, and we get a six. Oh, perfect. Good leaders get their hands dirty. I mean, it's like it was made for me. Get their hands dirty. Okay, cool. I uh, probably had an inspirational professor at the academy who led by example. Attributes. Add three points to attributes. Each may be split between any two or three. So, i.e., increase three attributes by plus one or one by plus two and another by plus one. Okay. 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 So, currently control is my lowest. So, got to start out by giving that a plus one. Make it an eight. Um... Presence and Reason are both 9. I'm feeling pretty good about those. Um, So it's really down to whether I want to do a plus 2 to Daring, Fitness, or Insight. Oh, screw it. Let's put a plus 2 in Daring make that a 10. Okay. Disciplines. Either increase Security or Engineering by plus 2. Then select two other disciplines to increase by plus 1 each. You may not increase any discipline above four at this stage. Okay, so I'm gonna increase security by plus two, make that a three. We'll make engineering a three as well. And then let's make uh, science a two. I'm aware that my command is still at a one. Hopefully I can boost that up a little bit. All right, and then focuses. Select three focuses, at least one of which should relate to your character's chosen track. Examples. Computers, cybernetics, electroplasma, power systems, espionage, hand phasers, hand... Okay, on and on. On and on it goes. Okay, so I'm gonna... I liked the table rolling before, so we're gonna... I'm gonna roll on... They want three focuses? Okay, so I'm gonna roll on security, engineering, and... con. No, I already did con. Security, engineering, and science. Okay, here goes security... That's an 18. Hand phasers. Hell yeah. Okay. Engineering. Uh, is that a double one? It is. These dice have little symbols for the one, so I wasn't sure there for a second. Um, advanced holograms. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. And science that would be a 31 a specific historical time period oh i love that shit all right so i'm gonna put a little bracket around that to remind me to pick one out specific historical period i mean if i'm following the you know tendencies of the uh original series and TNG uh, screenwriters. It's got to be either the Victorian era or the 1930s. Uh, But, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. My mind is a worrying rivulet of thought. Inspiration creativity. All right. Step five, career length. Choose the length of your character's career. Are they novice... With their whole career ahead of them, do they have a few years of service under their belt, or are they a veteran with decades of experience? Okay. Here we go. Novice. Oh shit. Alright, so I think First Officer is not That's not where I'm starting. I think that's where I want to get, right? That's gonna be my goal for the for this campaign. This will be my my officer's log of my rise <laughs> my rise to power. Um, which is fine. So probably we're probably looking at head of security here, although I don't know yet. So okay, so I'm adding a value reflecting my inexperience and naivete in some way. Ah, perfect. So this will be my other pre-selected value, which um it's, it's actually pull. I mean all of these are pulled from the um, the random values matrix anyway. But uh, I spotted this one and I just loved it because another TNG episode on our curated list was iBorg, which I loved, and so this value is resistance is never futile. And the Borg reference also is going to tie in with the um, the starship and the timeline that I have in mind. So, you know, just a little like, a little, little reference for my own sake. Okay. um, Alright. Great. So, Step six, career events. My character's career is a tapestry of events and experiences, but a few will have been pivotal moments in my life. A character defines which moments of their life are important in retrospect, and what seemed definitive to a young ensign may be inconsequential to that same officer years later. Ain't that the truth? your character has two defining career events chosen or determined randomly from the list below and gains whatever benefits they provide each career event increases one attribute by one one discipline by one and gives your character one additional focus when assigning a focus you may select from blah 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 okay uh, for characters that chose novice hey I didn't choose it, it was thrust upon me in step 5 assume that these career events took place during the character time of the academy or equivalent, perhaps during a field training assignment aboard a starship okay all right, here we go. So we got two, we got two events. Number one, six, encounter with a truly alien being. Holy, all right. <laughs> Interesting. Encounter with a truly alien being. <laughs> Going out on a, on a ride along on a test flight and we encounter a truly alien being, sure. Your character encountered a life form which is truly alien, something barely within the comprehension of humanoid life. It might have been some godlike entity or a creature that swims through space, but whatever it was, it was not life as we know it. So, I have to ask myself, what kind of creature was it? What did your character learn from the experience? And, what happened to the creature afterward? Has it been seen again? Alright. Alright, well, my character's encounter with the unknown increases their reason by one... Wow, I'm up to a 10 on reason. See, maybe uh, engineering's more, more my, my speed here. Your character comes away from the experience with a greater understanding of and curiosity for the universe, and cre- increasing science by one. Ah. Science is now at three. And... add a focus, reflecting their experiences with the entity. Examples, empathy, philosophy, or xenobiology. Ooh... I'm tempted by philosophy, actually. Especially since we already know uh, she's a history nerd. (laughs) So, although empathy is also good. I like empathy. Let's go with empathy. We need some empathy in this world. Right? And, um, yeah. So, that's leading me to think that this was some kind of, um one of these one of these alien beings that really fucks with your brain <laughs> you know again having just seen the inner light right i mean that's not an alien being but that's uh certainly <laughs> i mean des and i were talking about it afterwards like okay so picard just like literally went off and lived this whole other life and then he's and then he wakes up literally 20 minutes later and it's like okay so i just experienced 50 years of time in 20 minutes so you're gonna have to give me give me a little bit to kind of sit down and collect myself here so i don't think it was anything that extreme but i think it was definitely some kind of yeah like some kind of being that exists um in like um some kind of like telepathic or psionic kind of non-corporeal you know like in a metaphysical sense we might say it was like an astral being right it was something that. Oh, maybe it's like a fourth-dimensional being or something, you know? But but then if we're going with empathy, then I think it's like... It's really uh, hitting those those parts of the brain that are, like, emotional. So maybe it was like a being not of pure thought, but of pure emotion. Something along those lines. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure there's been something like that in, in Star Trek lore uh, that's come up. So... I'll give that some thought. Again, open to suggestions. Open to any additional, um, you know, facets I could maybe add. And just a caveat, you know, I'm open to suggestions. Doesn't necessarily mean I'll go with it, and no offense, you know, (laughs) but this is my character. All right, so we're going with our second career event. I mean, really, I feel like the encounter with the alien being was the most recent event, right? although jesus christ i just rolled first contact okay so i i mean hey i think those are the same one of the same right your character was chosen to be involved in one of the most important missions first contact with another culture what culture did your character make first contact with um okay hmm well see now now i'm wondering because it says um the prestige and honor being involved in a first contact mission is significant. Increase your character's presence by one. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. I might re-roll that one, actually. Let's re-roll that one. Let's see what we get here. Eleven. Dealing with a plague. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to choose my second one. Because I want something that's just a little, a little less um, epic in scope, right? Let's go with something a little more prosaic. So, some of the ones that are jumping out to me are ship destroyed, death of a friend. That that's that's a possibility there. Um, lauded by another culture, negotiated a treaty, required to take command might be interesting actually. Um, encounter with truly alien beings, serious injury could certainly apply um you know I, I recently read about picard's uh, artificial heart how he got that right after academy conflict with a hostile culture maybe mentored mentored of course that would definitely fit transporter accident betrayed ideals for a superior called out a superior both of those might be appropriate new battle strategy learned unique language discovered an artifact special commendation solved an engineering crisis breakthrough or invention and first contact okay so let's see which was the ones that jumped out at me we had death of a friend uh required to take command serious injury mentored betrayed ideals for a superior or called out a superior um or special commendation okay let's see So, how many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven different possibilities. Okay. Um, If it had been six, I would have just rolled a d6. Um, Can we cut one out? Let's cut out special commendation. There we go. Okay. All right. I'm going to randomize it. Let's see what we got. Okie dokie. Here we go. A three... Serious injury. Oh, no! (laughs) Your character was seriously hurt and needed to spend a considerable amount of time recovering. What was happening when your character was injured? Who was responsible? What did the recovery entail? Did the character need a prosthesis or cybernetic implant afterward? All right. So, I think that definitely happened at the Academy. Um, It was... um, It was um, some kind of training accident. And... um, who was responsible? Hmm. Uh, that's a good question. Was it me? Was it another classmate? I like the idea of having like some bad blood, maybe with another classmate who caused the accident. So um, let's say it was uh, let's say it was an explosion, and um, so the recovery simply entailed. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think. I don't think there was any like prosthesis or implants or anything like that. It was just, it was one of those deals where it was like, um, the injury was so serious that I could have died, but then, you know, medical crew were able to get to me and then get me healing up within maybe hours or, or days at the most, right? Star Trek medicine being what it is. But it was one of those ones where it was like, well, until we got you to sick, it was touch and go. So it's more just kind of about like, I can't believe you almost killed me, you ass, you know, kind of thing. All right. Your character's long, arduous recovery, well, (laughs) okay, fine. It was a long arduous recovery. Okay, fine. Uh, Force them to think about their health more, increasing fitness by one. All right, I'm all for that. And disciplines. Being surrounded by doctors for a long time increase your character's medicine by one. Okay, gets that up to two. Oh, man, my command is still at a one. And add a focus reflecting the circumstances of your character's injury, something that helped them through recovery, or something they took up after recovering. Examples, art, athletics, or philosophy. Oh, I well, see, say I could choose my philosophy now. Um, add a focus reflecting circumstances of your character's injury, something that helped them through recovery, or something they took up after recovering. Oh, gosh athletics is tempting that is tempting Um, let's see just gonna look at the focus matrix Um, let's see here kinesiology (laughs) Um, mm -hmm. oh how about martial arts let's go with martial arts maybe uh, I know the Klingons have martial arts right Maybe, maybe she learned a Klingon Martial Art. I'll look those up. Okay. Feels like I'm going with a security officer here. but Okay, <clears throat> step seven, finishing touches. At this stage, your character is almost complete and needs only a few final elements and adjustments. Values, your character receives one final value. All right, so this one I'm just gonna roll randomly. So let's go to the values matrix and see what is to be seen. Okay. This might reflect the career events rolled in step six or may represent some other element. Sure. Okay. Let's see. Uh, that is a two. <laughs> Act with confidence even if you don't feel like it. Good advice. Get confidence, stupid. All right. Even if you don't feel like it. Okay. Increase two attributes by one each. Okay, so what do we got? We got Control eight, Daring 10, Fitness nine, Insight eight, Presence nine, Reason 10. All right, so we're gonna boost Presence by one. And let's do Control, make that a nine. So my Insight is an eight. That's my that's and that's an average, remember. So that's my lowest, despite my interest in history and my my newfound empathy. So maybe maybe I'll start boosting my insight now that I've learned to be more empathetic after encountering that being of pure emotion. Alright. Increase two disciplines by one each. Alright, well, I gotta get command up to two. I mean, that's just embarrassing. And let's make <clears throat> let's make Khan a three. So that way I have con 3, security 3, and engineering 3, and that just feels kind of nicely well-rounded there. Alright, so my character's attributes should total 56. Okay, let's see here. It's uh, 28, 36, 46, 56. Perfect. Discipline should total 16. Alright, so that's 6, 9, 11, 14, 16. Yes. I should have 4 values? Check. And 6 focuses? Check. Okay. Alright, so now I have now we have come to the part where I determine my assignment. Okay, especially in the solo mode of play, your character's assignment will contribute significantly to the genre and focus of the stories you create around them. As the name of the game suggests, you might choose for your character to be the captain of a starship or starbase. You might also choose to portray one of the captain's senior officers. Group of personnel who make the important decisions about the ship and who aid the captain as department heads, subject matter experts, and trusted advisors. You might choose to play another unique role, such as an admiral overseeing fleet actions, a civilian scientist embedded on a Starfleet vessel, a judge advocate general tackling tricky cases, or an administrator overseeing Starfleet Academy. <laughs> While the possibilities are endless, the following are the most common senior staff roles played by the main characters of Star Trek media, and thus common roles you might choose for your character or with whom your character will interact. In your stories, okay. So we have commanding officer, executive officer, um, mm -hmm. and then we have let's see. So it's it has like in solo mode. You know, if you do this, if you choose this, it'll lead to these sorts of stories. So in solo mode, giving a character the, uh, the first executive officer assignment will facilitate a wide range of stories, from away missions to starship command tireless work of managing staff, the unique challenges of serving under a notable or difficult captain yes so that's where we're aiming for then we got operations manager this is the engineering department operate uh, manages and oversees all technical operations aboard or involving the ship normally from operation station on the bridge or in conjunction with the chief engineer or on smaller ships one officer may fill both roles Giving a character this assignment will facilitate stories featuring close-ups on iconic Star Trek elements, discoveries found from sensor sweeps, mysterious computer malfunctions, and the operation of holodecks, transporters, main deflector, and other classic technology. Tempting. Flight controller or helmsman? Not a typical senior staff role. Some captains, particularly those operating in uncharted space, choose the most senior helmsman or flight control officer to serve as senior staff as well. In solo mode, giving your character's assignment will facilitate classic ace pilot stories and chronicles of young officers taking their first steps in a promising career. See, there... Might go with that, actually. Right? Right? Yeah. That's tempting. I'm liking that a lot, actually. Chief Engineer. solo mode, giving your character's assignment will facilitate hard science fiction stories a technical, end. no. Chief of Security. This would be my other option in solar mode solo mode giving your character this assignment will facilitate stories full of action espionage and conflicts both great and small your character might be tasked with repelling a boarding party solving a whodunit or surviving an expedition into a hostile environment Mm, i mean that's good that's really good chief medical officer science officer ship's counselor communications officer communications officers typically skilled in linguistics and cryptography aided by advanced translation and decryption technologies they are thus valuable during encounters with both new creatures and hostile ones in solo play giving your character this assignment will facilitate stories of contact and connection placing them on the front lines of alien contact in the thick of deciphering archaeological mysteries and a critical role behind the scenes of intense political dramas i you know helmsman just jumped right out at me so let's go with that um okay so that is my assignment and then i have to do my rank okay once the character's role has been determined you should determine their rank um character may be of any rank though there are a few restrictions in specific circumstances okay so lieutenant junior grade is the lowest rank may be taken by any character fulfilling the assignment of executive officer chief engineer chief of security or chief medical officer those assignments are only available to experienced personnel Ensign is the lowest rank available to any officer. Then we have lieutenant commander and captain. All right. Hmm. I'm just I'm debating between ensign or lieutenant junior grade. I guess we have to go with lieutenant junior grade. Eh? All right. Lieutenant junior grade. Okay, and um, yeah, my assignment is helmsman. I also just want to give a uh, shout out to the custom sheets that I'm using um, for this whole operation. Uh, this is the Star Trek Adventures Captain's Log Zine. It's available on the site itch.io. Um, it's from a creator uh, calls themselves that Walsh guy, and. Uh, it's great um, that you know obviously you can download sort of the official captains log sheets from the modifius website I really like this um, this third-party uh, thing the zine uh, because I don't know I like the formatting I like how it's set up um, for tracking um, not just your character but also the events that you're generating and uh, it also has a complete uh, starship um catalog to choose from so when you're you know if you want to print everything up you would just um, you know select the page that has the Starship that you're using and um, delete the other ones you know so it's really cool sheet Um, that being said I don't see a spot on here for my assignment so I'll just jot that down under rank here And what did we call that that was flight controller or helmsman so we'll go with uh, yeah Helmsman. Okay. And then last of all is pronouns. And I see here in the text it says transgender individuals like Grey Tal. So I didn't mean to imply earlier on that there have never been any transgender characters in Star Trek but also a quick check of the internet reveals that is a character from Star Trek Discovery so obviously this is a more recent thing for the franchise as well. So that's all good. Okie dokie that is our character oh and of course we have a name so uh there's a great another great site it's called donjon and it has a ton of name generators on it and in fact it even has a star trek name generator and so um i went ahead and went through that and came up with a name that sounds a little star warsy but i also like it it is win sedino so that's w-y-n sedino is with a c-e-d-e-n-o win sedino So that is uh, Lieutenant Junior Grade Winsedino. Helmsman aboard. Ah! What ship? What ship am I on? It is the USS Kyushu. So I'll pause there as uh, all you Star Trek nerds are searching your memory alphas. Why does that sound familiar to me? Well, I was thinking about what era I wanted to set this in, obviously. I knew I was going to center it somewhere around the TNG era. Um, just uh, both as a, a little tip of the hat to my my many friends who love TNG more than any other of the series, and uh, also just because that's what I'm watching right now. Uh, next Captain's Log outing, I'll do TOS, but... Uh, <laughs> or if I run Star Trek Adventures. But anyway... Um, I was thinking about the specific time, I was looking at chronologies, timelines, etc, cetera, etc cetera. I was looking at ship types, right, you know, because like that's the thing, is like you have to kind of choose your era in order to know what kind of ship uh, class you're going to be on and so they, they, it's sort of a dialogue, they inform each other, you know you might think, oh I really want to have my ship be this particular class so that means, ergo, it has to be within this, you know sort of range band of of eras, you know so I was, uh, I was even sort of paging through the um, Captain's Log zine, you know, because, like I say, it has a, a page for every single different type of ship class uh, along with, um, you know, a top-down and a side view of the ship. And, I mean, there's a lot of really cool designs, sexy designs, you know, to choose from. And, um, and the New Orleans class jumped out at me. So I was like, okay, so I go to the Memory Alpha wiki, pull that up, it's got some links, you know, here are some examples, these class of ship. And, you know, they link out to their to those uh, pages for those specific ships. And the, the top one was the USS Kyushu. I'm like, okay, I'll click on that. And it says the USS Kyushu is one of the ships that is destroyed at the Battle of Wolf 359. Um... Which is, of course, the sort of desperate last stand against the Borg, as uh, as the Borg cube is approaching Earth, and uh, and the Enterprise shows up right after the battle, and there's all these like destroyed uh, ships just floating in in the dead of space, and and, uh, and so and they, they sort of reel off a list of several of them, including the Melbourne, dun dun dun, oh my God, Riker turned down a Captain C. On board that ship, aren't we glad he did? But the Kyushu is another one that gets mentioned in that line of dialogue. And that got me thinking. I love a good, predestined, doomed scenario, you know? I wrote a whole-ass book set in the 1920s Berlin, you know? Like, (laughs) um, yeah, so that kind of clinched it for me and i thought you know why don't we have this taking place why doesn't why why don't we have this captain's log be exploring the backstory of the uss kyushu prior to its destruction at the battle of wolf 359 Um, so i've looked up a few things there's you know there's the memory beta non-canon wiki that has a few more details on the kyushu and uh, I think it says there that it's one of the first of its of the class to be launched. So, you know, if we just kind of backdate uh, from the Battle of Wolf 359 and say we go back about, uh, you know, 20 years maybe, um, then that's where we'll be uh, setting our story, is uh, 20 years prior to the Battle of Wolf 359. So whether or not our plucky young lieutenant junior grade when Sedino is still serving on board the uh kyushu at that time perhaps as a first officer i don't know but maybe we'll find out maybe not i'm not really expecting this to take 20 years of of story time you know but um who knows but anyway suffice to say our time period here is um shortly before the beginning of next gen it's a generation before the next generation. How about that? So, um, okay. So that established, we're, we're doing the USS Kyushu Registry, NCC-65491. And uh, so starships are characters um, in their own right in the, uh, in the Captain's Log and Star Trek Adventures games. They have their own systems and then their own departments and so the systems correspond to attributes and the departments correspond to disciplines so the systems are comms computers engines sensor structure and weapons and then the um, departments are actually exactly analogous to the disciplines they're command con security engineering science medicine and basically you know if you have access to the ship you can have it do things for you instead of you know your character having to do it or other members of the crew, and then in fact that's a whole other thing. So on this um, on this nice little sheet here, um, there's actually a duty roster that I can fill in for the captain, first officer, et cetera, et cetera, and, um, and so oh, and that's where I put my assignment. Aren't I silly? So there it is, helmsman Win Sedino. Rank Lieutenant Junior, species Human, and then yeah, and then I can fill in these other characters, which I'll probably do uh, offline, so to speak. I'll just roll up some some basic details like the names and species and stuff. Um, <clears throat> but uh, and then it's up to me whether I want to like actually give them their own character sheets or kind of detail them out a little bit. We could do creation through play with those characters. Or I can just use the ship stats. So, like the chief of security, I might just use the ship's stats to represent, or at least like security team or something. I might just use the ship's stats in that place. So, um, anyway, uh, the the Kyushu is um, is a pretty pretty nice ship. It's got tens in comms, computers, engines, and sensor. Nine in structure and eight in weapons um its highest um uh, what do we call these again departments are engineering and science with a four in each its security is a one so it's not a warship by any means con is three so handles pretty well and command and medicine are both two and then really the only other thing that we have to do is define uh traits and talents so much like how um character you know their species is their trait uh if it's a federation starship that is a trait unto itself um you know romulan warbird might be another trait or you know whatever so um federation starship is a trait and then um it says to consider a unique trait as well and so i think for the uh, kyushu i'm going to give it the trait of doomed it's a doomed starship um but that might, uh, you know, that might potentially have a positive impact as well. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, some other examples of that would be like um, Legacy Vessel, Prototype, Flagship, uh, Temporarily Displaced, Renowned, non-combatant. you know. Um, and then lastly, we're going to do Talents. So this is... Um, this is a fun little way to just kind of differentiate your ship, uh, give it some unique things. Oh, and speaking of which, there's also, um, I believe, there should be uh, a table for like quirks as well. You know, like, just um, things that make the ship a little unique. We'll do that as well. Alright, so... Yeah, they even have, like, a random era matrix. That's crazy. And just... <laughs> That's if you're just like, I don't care. I know everything there is to know about every era of Star Trek, and I will go for it. All right, so let's do the idiosyncrasy 1st And do that first. We'll get a five. <laughs> That's so random. The door chimes are an octave lower than typical. Okay. <laughs> okay door chimes an octave lower sure all right now we're going to roll up talents you get one so the ship's scale that's a sort of numeric value indicating like how much damage the ship can take and i don't know just its general size crew crew complement everything else um the scale is four so we're gonna roll uh four times and it's 3d 20. Which seems a little mean because it's the 2d20 system, but whatever. <laughs> Alright, also, it's also mean because I have to roll uh, or uh, tally up 3d20. Alright, so 16 plus 12 is 28, so that's 32. High resolution sensors, that makes sense considering it's uh, engineering and science uh, talents, not talents, traits. Why can't why can't I keep this in my head? Departments. High resolution sensors. Okay. Next. We have 29 extensive shuttle bays. Hmm. Okay, that's cool. Uh, what does that mean? Vessels shuttle bays are large, well supplied, and able to support a larger number of active shuttle miss- missions simultaneously. I think that also fits pretty well. Next up, we have got 2538. Improved impulse drive? Okay, sure. That's cool. Let's see. Improved impulse drive. More powerful on most, than on most ships, allowing the ship to accu- accelerate much more quickly. You <laughs> can scoot out of there real fast. All right. Oh, and it says on the high-resolution sensors, the vessel sensors can gain large amounts of accurate data, though they are extremely sensitive. Oh, man. I'll keep that in mind for complications. And then 28, emergency medical hologram. Well, considering that Wynne studied advanced holograms, I'm sure that is of some interest. Um, the ships... Oh, 2370 or later. Oh, 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 oh. Never mind. We're not there yet. We're at about 2350, right? Okay, so instead, we've got 21. Cloaking device? <gasps> Iconic. Only on non-Federation vessels. Boo. Boo. Alright, we're rolling again. Alright. That is a 16. Automated defenses. Alright. Alright. You're gonna tell me I can't take that one either. Huh? Huh? Twenty-third century or later. That's fine. The ship's weapon systems can automatically lock onto a target and fire even if the crew is incapacitated or unavailable. Okay, cool. All right, that is the USS Kyushu, easy peasy. All right, so the last thing we're gonna do is generate our first mission. Um, And the reason I'm doing that now, like I said, is just because these are gonna be uh, kind of open-ended, the way that you generate missions. And so, again, I'm just, I'm open to suggestions and um, yeah, we'll just kind of, it'll give me some, some time to think, if nothing else. Even if no one, no one pipes up, I'll still have time to think about how we want to approach this. Okay, so we're going to start by rolling on the mission type matrix. Roll on that specific types matrix uh, to determine more details about the mission you've been assigned. Mm-hmm. roll an incident and theme combined to form inciting incident roll d20 to generate starting advantage or complication depending on the result starting advantage or starting complication uh, add even more excitement to your inciting incident by rolling on the encounters matrix as needed to generate people places and things write your opening captain's log and launch your adventure all right so we're gonna we're gonna do all this now and so that way i'll have an opening captain's log Well, I'm not going to generate the people, places, and things, but we'll do all the other stuff. That way I can have an opening captain's log for the next um, episode. All right, so we're going to start with mission type. And that is a 12 planetary exploration. Classic. Okay. Sounds good. All right, so then we're going to go to the subtype planetary exploration. And... We get a 19. It's a trap! Ooh. All right. mean it just says trap here, but... All right. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Nice. And then... Okay, so then it says... Uh, roll an incident and theme and combine to form an inciting incident. Okay. So here goes the incident and the theme. Both are sixes. Okay, so the incident is destroy gravimetric distortion is the theme. Destroy gravimetric distortion. Ha. Okay. So uh, right there, that's a great example of where I feel a little out of my depth because I'm like, is the gravimetric distortion a thing or is that just some Star Trek... Technobabble that's supposed to get my imagination going. I don't know. All right. Now we're going to decide whether there's a starting advantage or complication. Even odd. I got even, so there's a starting advantage, thankfully. Okay. And then... um, So we're going to roll the starting advantage. Federation assistance. Another starship is in range to render assistance with the task at hand cool all right so considering that the Kyushu is kind of more of a science uh, sciencey kind of vessel it's it's a little bit more um what would we say yeah science and engineering maybe this is like the Kyushu's been called in to destroy the distortion but we we're, we're getting cover from you know uh, more of a, a kind of a warship or you know uh, uh, sort of general purpose ship. Um, you know, I don't know, would it be gauche to have the enterprise present? Is the enterprise even around in 2050? Is it the enterprise C? Has that been destroyed yet? I don't know. See, there's these little these, these little like patches of lore that I have that I kind of like <laughs> wash up on the shores of, you know. All right, so we've rolled the starting advantage uh, advantage. Add even more excitement by rolling on the encounters matrix. right. Okay, we're gonna get really exciting here. All right, we're gonna roll type of encounter. Abandoned places, I like that. We'll roll on the abandoned places matrix. Haunting figures appear and disappear randomly, classic. All right. I could see that even happening on the bridge maybe. And of course that would have to have something to do with the gravimetric distortion even though i don't know what that is okay randomly Hoo-hoo-hoo. all right and then as needed generate people places and things you may encounter during this mission with very various probability matrices. so obviously i have to generate the planet itself um the other ship right um probably some of the crew at least okay and um, I think that's probably it all right so I feel like I've actually got a a fair grip on this but again like anyone wants to throw out ideas um, hell if you want to throw out some suggestions for what the other uh, ship is you know if you have a favorite um, I'm all ears so We'll see where this all goes. I'm very intrigued. This is a great start. I love this uh, setup, and um, and let's not forget that this is a trap, right? That's the uh, that's the sub the subcategory of planetary planetary exploration is that we're dealing with a trap, and uh, we're here to destroy gravimetric distortion. But we've got random figures appearing and disappearing randomly, and somehow this is going to turn out to be a trap. All right, well, uh, until next time, um, keep watching the skis. I mean, skies.